Hi, everybody. This is Clayton for GCF Learn Free, and this is another podcast on professional rejection. Today, we're discussing how rejection during the job search happens to almost everyone, regardless of background or profession. We'll also talk about how we can transform that disappointment into something positive and energetic. Here to tell us about his own professional journey is GCF Learn Free's technology coordinator, Shane. Shane, how are you, sir? I'm doing fine. How about yourself? I'm doing fine. Before we get started, if you could give us a brief summary of what you do here at GCF Learn Free. I manage a team of programmers who are taking care of the website and uh, other tools and all of the technology side of stuff. Okay. I um, also do a bunch of design work. I came here as an interactive designer at first, and then... Um, designed the uh, typing tool interactive online module and uh, the everyday life project and a bunch of other things. But mostly I'm a manager. I have a great team and okay. I take care of the code. Of, of the team that keeps the website humming. Yeah, yeah, we try to. All right. So uh, what was going on in your life when this notable job search of yours began? I had been working in the bar restaurant area uh, in industry for about three years. I've been living in New York City on my own. So I'm, I'm pretty early in my career. Mm-hmm. And I had decided to get out of the bar restaurant industry. So I started, I think it was the first time that I officially typed up resumes and looked through. At this point, there was really not a lot of online sort of monster.com places. So it was more New York Times than anything else in the back of the classifieds. I ended up uh, typing up 30 to 50 different jobs that I thought that I might be right for and Mm -hmm. just sending them out. I didn't really do a lot of research. I was just kind of early on. I didn't hear back from any of them. (laughs) It was one of those I was was actually um, got my first month paycheck from unemployment. So I had the experience of going to a New York City unemployment office, standing on line for two hours and uh, feeling like my life needed to change sooner than later, mm-hmm. but also dealing with all of those emotions that you're like, wow, I'm here. I'm sure. young and I'm doing unemployment. You know, what, what does that mean? So that's where I was. Okay. And so with unemployment, you, you know, you did what you had to do, yep. but it also, it sounds like it kept that fire going in you. It's like, okay, I need to improve. It's just a, a reminder, it sounds like. Yeah, it was, um, it, it wasn't sort of, I wasn't in a dark abyss uh, emotionally. I really was, I had worked successfully in the restaurant industry mm-hmm. and I was just ready to get out. It was kind of like, I was like, I'm over this. I've done this for a while. I have a lot of friends who are still in it. Mm-hmm. I was looking for something else, right? So I decided to, to, to get out of being a general manager of a restaurant bar that I had done for a while. And I was just, I was kind of actually... Um, pretty excited to see. I think I was hopeful at mm-hmm. that time. But, you know, New York is expensive. You know, you you realize that you do have unemployment offered to you if yeah. you've worked anywhere else. And so I chose to take advantage of it. So I wasn't I wasn't so much on a on a, an emotional roller coaster then. I was still hopeful, but going into the unemployment office in New York City, there are a lot of people that you could tell were struggling with, uh, I'm here, I need money. I don't, I don't know really what's going on. I mean, I'm reading into them, but it it felt like any movie you'd seen in a very crowded unemployment office in New York city, Hmm. uh, back in the late nineties, mid nineties. But after I sent out 50, 50 or so resumes and I didn't hear back from any of them after a couple of weeks, 
you know, you're like, oh, I, I, I don't know if I can find another 50. Like yeah. I, I'm going to have to keep looking, which I continually did. But ultimately, I did hear back from one. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's where kind of it all changed. Okay. And so in that one interview, was that just a random job or was that something you're actually pretty interested in at the time? Because I was looking at classifieds in the back of the New York Times, they are very short, small, abbreviated. I mean, smaller than Twitter sort of descriptions. Mm-hmm. So it had to do with interactive CDs or CD-ROMs. Mm-hmm. So there was something in that that be, being kind of a computer geek, I kind of knew that it had something to do with that. But I didn't know what. Yeah. So I was kind of excited about it. I had also sent... Uh, my resumes to sort of graphic design positions because I had gone to art school, I'd gone to film schools. So I was looking for some sort of creative entry level, anything really that I might possibly be able to sell myself on. So that's all I remembered. But, you know, I didn't really know what the company had done. And it hadn't really, I don't think in the classified, it gave you like a URL or any type of a address to know about it. Like mm-hmm. when they contacted me was the first time that I got their name and I was able to actually look them up. Yeah. And and I, I quickly realized that they are a company that made educational CD-ROMs. This is sort of after Mist and those um, those CD-ROMs came out. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, before the PlayStation or any type of game console had really, really come out yet. When I was there, yeah. the first game console dropped. So it was in between that period. Okay. So with that interview, did you get that job? I did get that job. I remember going in and being very nervous because, again, it was the only callback I got from all of those. And I remember being even more nervous when I reached the building because I took an elevator up into this very nice building. And then when I got out of the elevator, it was a studio that had glass walls Mm -hmm. and had a bunch of, it was just a big open studio with a bunch of professional people. It was everything that I possibly could have imagined would be my dream job, was this environment with um, sparse, minimal, modern tech and lots of space and like 50 foot ceilings. I mean, it was just huge. So I remember being like, oh my goodness, like... I want this job so badly, yeah. you know, and I don't even know anything about it, but this is what I want, which made me very nervous. And so I interviewed with the owner and then she passed me on to her her husband, who is the technology director, and it, it, it went fine. I think that they could sense that I was very passionate about it. I didn't get any sense that there was a big connection going through the whole process and I think, honestly, at the end of it, I felt a little nervous that I wasn't going to get it. Mm-hmm. The last thing I said to uh, the technology director, like as he walked me to the, uh, the elevator, was I said, I just want you to know that if I don't get this job, I will be in this industry. And coming here has confirmed how much I want to be in this industry. Yeah. And I really appreciate your time and your effort. And thank you for... Um, showing me what a really um, wonderful office space could be in this industry. Mm-hmm. But I will be here and I'll see you later. Yeah. And I basically kind of try to casually say, I'll see you again, regardless. Yeah. Thanks again. And that's yeah. how I tried to come off. And in that moment, how did he take that? He looked at me and he paused and he smiled and he, he said, okay, thank you. And uh, he shook my hand. And honestly, when I left, I thought that I might have gotten it. Yeah. Like it was that moment that... 
And, and when I did get it, because I did get it, mm-hmm. and he told me that him, me saying that to him made a mark on him, made me memorable to him, and it was different than the other people that he had interviewed for it. Yeah. But when you did get that chance, it sounds like you made the most of it. It sounds like you're pretty candid and you shared your enthusiasm and you're like, okay, I'm good. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, I think that I always try to connect with the person who's interviewing with me through, you know, the passion that I've already in my mind thought about and knew why I'm interested in the job to begin with. So Mm -hmm. I'm usually not afraid to tell them why I'm excited about some aspect of the job. That's the stuff that I, I, I know that I'm interested in when I talk to somebody about something. Even if I don't clearly understand what they do, if they can share that passion with me, that's infectious. That's, mm-hmm. that's something that I share trying to be passionate about whatever I choose to do with my life. And I know that other people will do different things, but as long as they're passionate, I'm connecting with them. Yeah. So that's what I try to find in the interviews. And between the time when you left the restaurant industry and you got the job, how much time was that? That was probably about three months. Yeah, it was about three months until I got the call back, the interview. It was like, uh, we'll let you know in a week. And then they did, and then I got it. And then it was like, okay, let's let's get you in here within another 10 days mm-hmm. if, if you're available. And I was like, yep, ready to go whenever you need me. Sure. That was probably the longest period that seemed to be, you know, well, I've been through another period that I was trans, you know, I had been in the video game industry for a while. You know, it was kind of in the middle of my career. I had been working in the video game industry for going on seven years now, and I was making a change. And this is where I started using a headhunter, mm-hmm. somebody who, um, you know, if you're in the technical field and, and some other fields, you can utilize headhunters. And so they had set me up on a bunch of interviews. I went through several of those with some companies that um, I was interested in and in becoming a, a producer for, a game producer for, mm-hmm. and I didn't get I didn't get those. And it was more of a you know you'll have uh, an interview and then you'll either make the next round or you won't. Yeah. You know. And so I was notified that I didn't make make the the, the next rounds for a couple of those. And those there wasn't any one that I I felt like I lost that I really wanted. In those, mm-hmm. it, it, honestly, it felt a little harder for me to um, connect with what was going on, and I actually felt a little—I felt like I was falling back into sort of the selling myself to them rather than connecting with them. Yeah, and I think that that might be due one because it's just over a Skype call or over the phone. But when I think about it, you know, when I did finally get a, another job, I did the same thing, and I did feel like I had made a connection via the phone too. So I think there was something else there, you yeah. know. And I'm a big believer in how do you feel it went, yeah. And if you feel like it went well, or that you got something out of it that excited you, mm-hmm. even if you don't get that job, that is real, yeah. <laughs> you know. And that's what I always would strive to go for, right? So, you know, whether you give it your best shot, you're never going to know why they don't choose you if you don't. Yeah. But if you felt like it went okay, then you've done your job, you yeah. know. And if you feel like, you know, the nerves got the best of you or whatever it is, it's okay. You know, there's going to be a whole another no- time to do it. But you know, I always believe that it's your role to try to. Um, be as passionate and authentic as you can mm-hmm. and to be present and to prove to them by communicating to them why you're interested in the job and how you could add value to what 
they're already doing. Sure. So as long as you feel you're doing your best, that's enough. And there's no point in beating yourself up over it. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And it's it's easier said than done, especially when you've got a lot of uh, social burdens and pressures on you <laughs> that you need to kind of fulfill. Yeah. I'm a big believer that, you know, your number one job is almost persistence mm-hmm. and always getting back up and, and, and trying again. And it's not your job to make something happen, it will happen when it needs to happen. Your job is just to show up and be the best person that you can be. And if you keep doing that, you'll find that you'll be taken care of. I like that. I want to talk about this second job search period you're talking about. By that point, you're a veteran of your respective field. Yeah. And with you getting shot down dealing with rejection at that stage in your career, when you know what you bring to the table, yeah. when you know you're good at what you do, yeah. how did you process that versus when you were just entry level, just trying to get started? I understood that that was always going to be a possibility to hap- of happening mm-hmm. because early on, I've been somebody who has my own opinions about things and I've, I've gone through enough uh, learning with teachers that have shown to me that there's so much of this is subjective. And I, again, I can't worry about convincing somebody of something that they can't see. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate being in the position where the value that I'm trying to talk somebody into the value that's in front of them. They're mm-hmm. either going to see it, connect with it, want to give it a chance, or they're not. Mm-hmm. I can only be as real with myself about who I am, where I am at the moment, and communicating that. And so, um, it, you know, it was disappointing because, of course, I want a job. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with everybody else. I want a job tomorrow, yesterday. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to not be unemployed anymore. Yeah. But at the same time, I just don't know how long this unemployment gig is going to last. And I never really took it that personally. Uh, you know, I, that's not where the darkness um, crept in. It probably was the uncertainty of how long it was going to take before the right thing did come along. Yeah. And that just plays back to the way I think I've always seen my voice versus other people's voices and sort of respected other people's opinions and not, not let it get to me too much. Sure. And honestly, I'm a, my, my mom taught me you know, early on, and I believe this, that if things don't work out, there's probably a good reason why it's not going to work out. And you don't want to second guess it, you know? It, it, it didn't work out, so it's better to kind of look at that as being, you know what, I bet you if I had gotten it, it might not have worked out, and it would have been more problematic. If it doesn't work out, have the faith that it's, gonna, that, it's, that it's for a reason that you can't see right now and try to move on sure. as much as you can. That's kind of how I, 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 would, I took those rejections. Mm-hmm. And... During that later job search period, social media was around pretty prominent by then. Did that factor into your job search at all, either on a professional or a personal level? Uh, I've never been one to utilize uh, social media that much. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think I lucked out that it was coming into its own as a sort of a tool to utilize as I was kind of finding and resting in a place that I didn't need it anymore if I did. So I I wasn't, I didn't utilize it very much. I didn't go on LinkedIn. I didn't work my contacts through Facebook. Like all of that was not something that I 
I've always done or I never really have done it. Mm-hmm. I worked my contacts via emails and for people that I knew who would give me a number and I'd reach out to them. I'd go to the websites of the contacts and then I'd drop them names and say, you know, so-and-so recommended that I might talk to you. I sure. see that you've got a job listed there. Um, and with the headhunters, it's kind of like they just let you know that they've got some clients mm-hmm. and they're going to set it up. So you really don't need to do much. They're basically saying, ah, next week we've got two interviews set up for you. Mm-hmm. You know, they're looking for someone in your skill level and at your pay level and let's give it a try. I, I really haven't had a lot of experience trying to leverage social media through it at all. And that's just, that's just been my experience. Okay. And small aside, when you talk about headhunters, did they charge you a fee for their services? They don't charge you particularly. They Mm -hmm. take it out of your future job. Okay. So what ends up happening is they will get a percentage of the salary that you end up making Mm -hmm. coming from your job side, not your own personal. So it's, it's it's a complete win for the employee. So, yeah, there was no downside at all. If a headhunter will take you, I would say utilize that to the max. Okay, because I think there's a common misconception that people believe to use a headhunter or a staffing agency that you have to pay some sort of fee up front just to get your foot in the door so they'll start looking for you. And that's one thing we want to communicate is yeah. that that's not – for a legitimate operation, that is not the case. Yeah. They want to find you work. Yes. Going back to your job search – when you did find that job that you really liked, did you change anything about the way you searched for a job or just a matter of that persistence, keeping at it until your skills found the right home? Well, it's interesting because the job that I got after that, through that headhunter, mm-hmm. led me to Disney Interactive. Uh, you know, I, it was one of those moments where I was like, okay, this is a dream job. I'm going to be going working for Disney now mm-hmm. and loving what they've done, where they came from, the history I I was over the moon. Now, that job was interesting for me because I knew two days in that it wasn't going to work out for me there. Mm. The whole structure of the job itself was wrong for me. And I couldn't leave because they had given me a relocation package in order to kind of move me into California. So I was locked there for a year. Otherwise, I was going to have to owe a lot of money. Wow. It was the most painful job that I've done, but at the same time, the most satisfying because I almost had to work through the stages of grief. I was Mm. like, I can't believe this is not what I thought it was. I'm really angry. Then I was really sad for myself because I was like, that's pathetic because I should really love this job. This is Disney. Sure. Then I was like, oh, I I have to be here for a while. So now I've got to look around and start looking at all the people that are doing things there. And at first I was like, how could they be doing it this way? And I had a really negative reaction to it. Mm -hmm. But then in time, if you're forced to not walk away, you come to realize, at least what I did, that they're all doing the best that they can. And you're just being judgmental. You're Mm -hmm. just going through a whole process of emotional roller coaster ride. And I was able to actually come out the other end learning. One of the biggest lessons I've ever learned is that unless somebody is trying to set you up for failure in in a really maniacal, evil way, Mm -hmm. which they never are, they're just trying to do the best thing that they're doing everything that they can the way that they think it needs to be done. And you just might see it differently and you just might really react negatively to that. But 
it doesn't mean that they're evil and they're they're bad. And that was something that that job actually taught me a surprise lesson of that. And going from there anywhere else, anytime there was some sort of a conflict of of passions or strategies or whatever it is, I saw it for what it was, which was just a difference of opinion and perspective. Okay. What would you say to someone who keeps getting rejected? Don't worry about it at all. You're lucky if you find the right gig quick and fast and if it becomes the right long-term gig. Mm -hmm. I would say that this is a marathon rather than a sprint. Even if you find a job, always keep your eyes open for a more suitable job, Mm -hmm. one that's going to grow you even more. And if you find that you're not getting any jobs uh, or offers or interviews, don't give up. Just keep leaning into the problem. Don't try to um, hide or bury your head in the sand. Mm -hmm. Just try to keep trying to the best of your abilities and keep communicating to your friends and your family and those that can give you some feedback. And, And at times, if you're not finding any connection to what you're looking for, consider looking in a different place. Really consider uh, something that might not be your first idea for where you can find it. Like be open mm-hmm. to lots of different things. Because I've had friends and I've had and, and my spouse who found their greatest job coming from a job that was the worst job for them, mm-hmm. but they met somebody that quickly took them into their dream job. Yeah. Try to stay positive. Try to understand that every single person is being shot down, especially in this day and age where people are, are staying less and less uh, for long periods of time. So everybody is shuffling around. Mm-hmm. It is not a reflection on you. It's, it's more a reflection of the timing and the match. And so much of this is subjective. So you just have to – you're lucky when you have a really great – experience finding a new job. That is not the norm. So the norm is kind of like going to the gym and working until it kind of hurts you. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you look back and you're like, wow, I feel stronger from it. That's more what looking for a job is about to me. Hmm. Um, And then, you know, when you do find that job, don't, you know, keep evaluating it just like you did through the whole process because it's your life, it's your choice. And there's a lot of different jobs out there that you probably could be satisfied doing, even if it wasn't what you thought you'd be doing to begin with. Yeah. So keep that industrious spirit no matter what your circumstances. Try if you can, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, Shane. Oh, thank you. That was incredible. Uh, To our listeners out there, if you have any questions or comments or would like to suggest a topic for an upcoming podcast, you can reach us through social media, such as Facebook and Twitter. Thank you very much for listening in. 